Let's just put that there. Oh, what's that? In honour of this week's guest and some of the content of our interview, I'm currently sat in a potting shed on my family farm. In fact, I'm just to clear a bit of space so I do this properly. So, hello and welcome to The Things That Make Us, a podcast about people and the objects that have shaped them. My name is Zoe Laughlin and each week I invite a guest to pick five things that have inspired, delighted, provoked or influenced them. We then talk about these things at a time and place of their choosing with as many of the items present as possible. Photographs of all the things selected by each guest over the course of this series can be found at thethingsthatmakeus.com. My guest today is artist Richard Wentworth. His work is best described as sculptures using everyday stuff, where he combines objects found and adapted to create sculptures that speak of our relationship to things, really. Richard came into my office at the Institute of Making with a bag full of the things he wanted to talk about. In the editing of this, I realised that the conversation is rather freewheeling and items Richard selects kind of bleed into each other and other things swirl around as Richard riffs and basically ponders stuff with absolute style. We jump in at the point when Richard asks me about coming from a farming family. think your interest is because you grew up near the activity of production and therefore that you're interpreting all the time seasons materials absolutely process yeah very interesting see that's never discussed in art schools anymore because everyone's talking about fucking Derrida who is fine but you know I think the children of farmers are an interesting group what you witness as a child is just extraordinary and if you don't witness it it's quite hard to put it back in clearly if you don't witness it and you have desire, you can get the equal and opposite, the lack, and then I want. But you, you, Are you, you have a childhood to do that? with pockets full of stones yes. and things that you've yes, discovered treasures, yourself. And treasures, well. Putting your treasures out in front yeah. of you is what you've done right now. So the premise of this conversation really is that the guest would pick five things that have in some way inspired them or they find interesting or represent something in their practice or their life. Yep. But I can see more than five things in front of us. So I suggest we just talk about the things you've brought with you. And okay, well, why don't I give you a, do it as an audit? So the point is that when you first invited me, I inevitably was uh, sort of mildly flattered, mixed up with, um, well, how am I going to do that? And then what I normally do is to not then do anything about it. Because why would you, you know, because I work much better out of panic. So in fact, until eight o'clock this morning, although I had thought about it, I hadn't put anything together because I live untidily, although I knew where various things were. So if somebody, if a cab driver said what most interests you, I'd probably say a, a term I learned from Marina Warner, which is prosthetics, that in order to be in the world, humans extend themselves so they have most obviously tools and you're meant to know not to use the garden trial to put food in your mouth but it's awfully like a spoon so there's a kind of cousinage of body extensions and uh, shovely picky uppy sharpy pointy stabby drilly things so um i think by definition we're we're going to talk about small things 
but I think the small things have huge implications. So I've actually brought a building with me. So I bought my first studio, which is a cast concrete church in Southwark, which you might know, Dilston Grove. And the reason Dilston Grove exists is because I foolishly got it listed by writing a letter, not realising that it would have that effect. So this was your first studio. Did you have it to yourself? No, uh, five, six of us had it together. And um, it's part, you know, that's part of the politics of the new boroughs. So that's the decline of church going, the end of the Cambridge colleges and the public schools being frightfully nice to the poor East London, that this mission and that mission. So that's the Clare College Mission Church, which was built in the 1880s, but then failed because they didn't check out the land it was sitting on. And being South London, it's probably a marsh. So it felt it broke, broke its back and had to be rebuilt. So that's 1910 cast concrete. And it's the same people who then built uh, Wembley. And actually, there's no good reason. I mean, I, I think listing is ridiculous. I think just get rid of it, photograph it, record it, get rid of it, build something else. It's just fatuous. Anyway, it got listed and it's now an art space. It uses concrete quite nakedly. It doesn't really, I mean, the th in this bad photocopy, all of that is vividly concrete. So I just happened to have that. And I also brought something which is sort of like, if you can't bring a hundred foot long concrete church in here to talk about, you also can't really bring in uh, the immediacy of a particular experience. So I brought uh, my grandmother, who I was watching television, arguing with my wife, interrupting the television, being rude about it. And I said, why don't we shut up and just watch the programme? and see what it's about. So it wasn't a big row, but it was like the way we always criticise imagery because we're trained to do that. And 10 minutes went past. And then suddenly there was this old lady and my jaw must have dropped, whatever jaws do. Within less than a second, because I've now double checked it, I went, that's my grandmother, granny. <laughs> so, my argument would be that she has no substance. She died 40 years ago. I have no idea what the brain science is on the form of recognition because she had no substance, couldn't smell her, had no gait. Uh, she said a few words. I haven't heard her speak probably since 1976. She died in 78. And I obviously, on iPlayer, was able to check. And the next day, that's my grandma, that's my mother's mother. I suppose I'm much more interested, really, in how we store what is memory, what is recall, what is recognition, what are, you know, and they're obviously those are the, for very young people. That's the exciting thing of this period is that we're going to find out a lot more. If you like, I'm interested in use, degradation, decay, identity, and how bizarre it is that we sort of know what things are. And I've got a granddaughter now and I can see she's 18 months I mean she bloody knows everything and it's like you know and I've got a cat who's extremely smart but boy is the cat stupid I mean you know the cat is a cat doesn't have consciousness doesn't remember doesn't say where were you today so that, that thing where you witness how we project into the world and how it reflects back on us you know I'm talking to you with a very knowledgeable brick wall behind you 1905, 1895 maybe, uh, probably built by illiterates. 
I haven't got my glasses on, but you can just tell it's very, very well done. It's not la-di-da brickwork, but it is very, it's in sort of quasi-industrial. And that they could never know that they would be the subject of my gaze, <laughs> you know. And I'm on, by talking about them, I'm honouring them and they should be honoured. I love a brick building because the brick is that unit designed to sit in the hand. Therefore, every single pixel, as it were, on that, the smallest quantifiable unit of that structure has been touched by hand yeah. and is a craft object in yes, that way. exactly. And buildings built by panels, large Did you watch them in Cartwright Gardens? No. Oh, I've got that. You ought to have the pictures here. Panels as big as any of those panels. Panels just going in. Just lowered by cranes. Uh, yeah. I yeah. Mean, and, you know, it's up, I, I admire it as a bit of ability. But it's like, it, it's like I couldn't really admire a suspended sheet of MDF, although I know the, construct, the, 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 the making and the invention of MDF is sort of gorgeous. And I think that's why we're talking in a way, because, you know, cast concrete, five years before the First World War is pretty radical, although the Romans had it. And we're obviously very tormented about what things are. And in fact, I recently was reading a book, which was sort of a portentous book written in 1945 by an American no one's ever heard of, which I found in a junk shop. And he, one of the phrases is the coming of the synthetics. I was reading it and kind of going, what, why does he keep talking about the coming of the synthetics? He's obviously addressing other people in 1945 who must have known what that meant. I know what synthetic means. I think, oh my God, the end of cotton. So he's actually talking about nylon, rayon, da 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 da. And now, you know, if I, if you were to do run a sort of test, you know, it would be a great test to do with children, and they would have to go along and name the materiality within our gaze, the finishes and the the implicit content, the blinds, the uh, the bindings of the books, the the, the iPhone, the, the, this little poly something, whatever. None of that really existed until about 20 years ago. It existed, but it hadn't reached that critical mass. And that, because you've got things in here, which might not be very old, but they're ceramic, and there's two jugs which are having a conversation with each other, they're very different. But you could take those and hand them over to an ancient Egyptian and they'd go and get some water. They'd also pick up one of those, I guess, rotationally moulded or rotationally exploded water bottles that is the whatever, you know, Evian comes in. And they would recognise that that's an amazing skewer morph. That's what you do. You pick it up and you go, what is this? I probably do that once a week, you know. what? There was a, a bottle cap, which I should have brought, a bottle cap in um, Portugal where the seal is obviously somehow plastic, then there's some kind of foil cover, and then coming out of that is a tail, uh, which seems to be a sort of wiry, rubbery, hard plastic, and on the end of the tail is a little loop to put your finger in. And it's like, hey, this is like, it's the first time I saw um, a generator in a plastic molded shell, which is probably nearly 15 years ago now. I thought, you can't have things that catch fire and deal in noxious liquids, you know, gen, you know, pour in petrol or whatever, in a plastic box. Now you would be surprised if you saw a generator in a pressed steel shell. Obviously, because I'm nearly 70, I'm thinking, what is that like to be young 
where these new normalities, they're not more really than about 15 years old in their plural, in their extensiveness. And also, can they laugh? Can, can we do this? So the other things I've got are... Yeah, so what's the next thing on the table? I've got two. I've got something I bought in Portugal, which is sort of intentionally ambiguous. I need to find out whether it's truly a tool of horticulture or whether it's a tool of masonry for laying Calcheda, their um, roads, which are sort of made of bits of... I mean, it's the perfect cross between a, a hoe and a, a trowel, isn't it? Yeah, and it's got a square... I mean, it probably would have been forged once upon a time, but it's obviously got very high grade not made by Javier in the forge but nonetheless in probably a small works um, square section uh, c-shaped loop and then oh, I thought it would make more noise but anyway a good blade which is exceedingly pointed you would hope no one would ever come with that and attack you and I'm very interested in the history of how agriculture and the military are so close so that all the activities of agriculture are actually basically incredibly dangerous but they're not they're, they're only when you have the peasants revolt do you turn up and stick your fork through somebody else and it's got a very thoughtful very thoughtful handle I suppose the other thing about all tools is that it's to do with what the land is so in fact I think with this man we had a conversation about the different Mataki hoe type objects so the north of Portugal is different from the middle this is from the Alentejo and then right in the bottom is different again so are you negotiating stone or whatever so if you have to guard if you like gardening and you're digging around in the Cotswolds you're probably six inches down you'll have brash which is basically just a seam of annoying pieces of stone to not, not too big to pick up, but to just the one that gets in the way of a tool. And anyone that's ever sort of worked that land knows it. So I also bought recently as a present for somebody what somebody, what, it, what said, and of course this is something I'm very nervous of, is the appalling self-consciousness of our times where if it looks old, it must be good enough to sell coffee in. And... Um, uh, you know, I'm in a kind of rage about that. Rust um, porn, I think. Is, is that what they call it? Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, you know, obviously I'm partly responsible for it because uh, I have always retrieved things at the end of their lives and then never known what to do with them. So I've just got piles of junk. I don't wish to display them. I haven't opened a restaurant, put the old rake on the wall. But I find it as a kind of generic look for what are really very spoilt humans very, um, I, I, I think there's a, quite a, a profound political meaning in that. So I'm from the generation, I'm the beginning of what you might call fucking about on the King's Road. So Phila de Barlow gives a very good description of the leases falling on the King's Road and the interiors being stripped and pushed out in the middle 60s. And then lots of that material being picked up by people like George Fullard, interesting artists who taught at Chelsea and brought back into the studio and things being made with bits of cornice and bits of stuff. So it's not very long before Paul Smith is actually buying whole dead chemist shops and exporting them around the world. People are, in, are genuinely interested in how the world is formed and what does it mean. Hooray for anyone that's interested, you know, and hooray for anyone who doesn't go, that's how it is and that's why we do it like that. So I'm not interested in things that are laid down um, as monuments. 
but I think that for a vigorous culture they have to be under debate. Something here which I think is particularly summed up by the grandmother is the is the trajectory of things that everything is always it, everything's dying everything is corroding breaking falling to pieces us too that's why you, children must have toys so they can destroy them so they can just because at least that's a model of the world and then they might not destroy the world but you know operating on your teddy and tearing it open <laughs> discovering it's got I think it's really important, but I don't think you should tell the child to operate on the teddy. It's just what happens. And that feeling when you find childhood possessions and they're nearly all in ruins and you're slightly worried by the ones that are still in the box. You think, what kind of child is that? I hope it's obvious. I think that underneath all of what I'm saying is a sort of pretty elaborate psychology, which I think about, you know, I don't know why I'm acquisitive. I don't know what you know, there's something like cheap sex in it, involved in it. It's like, why do I have these things, but then I don't have a plan for them. So I'm not forming in particularly intensive relationships with most of the things I pick up. Pick up a lot of things that people would call crap. Because, and I, a lot of my work has things in it, in it which, is, which are sort of at the edge of being unnameable. So a bit of string. A lot of my picking up is not really what I would call conventional gathering. I'm not really a sort of, I'm going to the beach and I'm going to pick up sea glass. I'm not really like that. I don't, I'm not really a maker of defined collections, but I have got a floating sense that it is all connected, which of course it is, it's on the bloody planet. Um, and I love that thing that recently there were some discussion with school children and they, school children said, when we, when we throw things away, does the world get lighter? And it was a, one of those Royal Society things, probably, and it, where they said, no, the world weighs what it weighs, which is such a great image that, you know, I put on weight and lost weight in my life and I'm going to die and I'll become dust. But the world, <laughs> I just think that's such an amazing thought. And, it, you know, we're all material. Anyway, when you turn it over, something has enjoyed living on it. And I love the fact that it's a house and somebody... Um, of even moderate sort of marine knowledge would say, oh yes, that's the so-and-so, you know, and you only find it in this part of the Pacific or whatever. And I love the fact that, the, the, that this is meant to be, you know, in a lot of people's minds is sort of associated with sort of fatuous ideas of hygiene, a lot of imagery that came from America in the 50s. If it's plastic, you know, it doesn't absorb anything very bad and, and uh, it won't give off anything, it won't be giving you cancer. And I think today they've announced a prodigious increase in breast cancer and I was thinking in bed this morning and I bet no one has a fucking clue where that's coming from you know what it, it and it, when they we find out it'll be so weird it'll be a make of toilet paper or, you know I mean we may have lost um, in the battery dying your fantastic impression of your aunt but that sense of a materials property and your perception of it as clean. Yes. Shininess plays into that. Yes. Hardness plays into that. Well, I brought and this some is shine. not yeah. hard or shiny. No. And over time, this plastic becomes dull. Yeah. The surface clearly isn't clean anymore. No. And it, you know, you wouldn't choose that over something. But else at the same time, that's now on its way towards. I nearly brought a, a, a very worn piece of wood off the same beach, and I thought we don't need more beach than we've got, but. The beach obviously is an extraordinary reservoir of meaning. And this is getting like a very beautifully washed piece of wood that's sort of 
you don't quite know whether it's a mineral or it's you know it's met with some significant force it's it's about what is it it's probably about a fifth of a bowl but it, I mean, it may only be two years old. Exactly, well. and one has no idea. The thing I most like is that you have no idea where it's come from, and there's n I doubt there would be any way. There is somebody in the world who could tell you. that You could put 100 people onto this, and they could find the place where they make these bowls. So this could speak Chinese. It could speak Mexican. It could speak American. It could speak Peruvian. Uh, it could speak come from New Zealand. It, could, it came off a ship, no doubt but it was on the beach. And it, in a way, you know, if I was a sort of Roald Dahl type writer, you know, there's a whole, as you can tell, there's a whole fable in that. And its colours are sort of rather extraordinary because there's a, a very beautiful blue, some quite interesting greens, but mostly it's the colours that go wrong when you're a child and you didn't understand about mixing. It's sort of camo, shite. Um, but I, I am very interested in what the eggs are that sort of, had a go at living there and is that the basis of a coral reef I don't know and then rather strangely probably only a week before I had bought this for this is your next nothing thing. it's it looks I think this is a classic skewer morph so this is um, a blade because I'm not metric about six inches six or eight inches square with an integral handle and I'm very interested in handles mm -hmm. Um, as the thing that tells you how to hold something. And it's a very odd, almost beautiful orange. And if you hold it up to the light, it's quite um, transparent, or in parts quite translucent. And it's got one of those patterns on it that's faking weaving. Exactly. So it's sort of saying, I am woven. It's, we would hastily call it a parquet floor. And it's got its sticky label on, which I often try and remember to keep, but forget to do, because I love soaking labels off with lighter fuel. And it says in Spanish, which I speak, soplador un pieza. And that's in, it's a Mexican production. And I showed it to an anthropologist, who I wasn't quite sure whether I liked him or not, but I said, I just bought this. And he said, oh, I could get you a proper one. And I went, no, I don't want a proper one. I know more or less what it is, but you must tell me what it is. And it's a fan. It's a Mexican pattern fan. It actually gives off, I mean, I have never used it as a fan, but so it's a poor, you know, it's I mean, a. It also looks a lot like a dustpan from yes, a dustpan and brush. Exactly. Just without I mean, size. it's obviously got many possible uses, which yeah. of course, you know, I clean my ears. My, my children used to laugh at me walking around the studio with a screw in my ear picking away at the inside of the ear because a screw has got a good curl on the end. Not something I would normally say publicly, but you know, what's lovely about these things is if you start to really investigate something and give it time, you know, I don't know much about plastic moulding, but I know what an injection moulding is, so it is injection moulded. You can see all the toolbarks from the, the master object. You can hear the voice of the person who assembled the master but then right in the middle of it there's a very beautiful image of a fan a sort of a, yeah, an yeah. electric an electric fan yeah, blades yeah. yeah so in a way sort of that's fan i mean the person i think i would love to have known and spent time with and who i wanted to take to toy story one was roland bart i mean i think roland bart 
in a way, is in this conversation. It's about, well, what are all these things and how do we give them meaning and take them away and, what, and, and, and where are we in our kind of class position in relationship to them? You know, a fan in England has no meaning whatsoever. There's nothing to fan yourself against. So that's a sort of become, a, or just by being, re, being imported, has become a sort of touristic, you but know. When the, when the anthropologist said to you a proper one, I would instantly, without even knowing that there was a proper one, assume there was because of that yeah. mimicking of a w process of weaving in its surface. So I'd have thought, well, there would have been another type, an older type, which had been made with cane. Yes, that would have had probably palm, palm leaf, mm. slit, slitted palm leaf. When people talk about the Industrial Revolution, in England, it's, it, it's taught so badly in schools. It's, it's taught as if everybody was an idiot, and then suddenly some people started melting iron and weaving using machines. You know, all those things had existed for an incredibly long time, but they hadn't quite gathered that momentum, and therefore there was no Manchester. And that simple thing of how do you do something really ought to be in education. It ought to be people should, because then people would be much more respectful of the fact that everything is done, even if it's done remotely, even if it's done by robot, it doesn't matter, it's done. It's done at the behest of human imagination. I mean, your, your fan and the washing up bowl are both essentially plastic. You know, that's the generic cultural term for yeah. that object. And you know, the objects that we find made out of plastic do just appear to us. They haven't, you haven't seen someone whittling a version of it in a shed. Or because it's what Roland Barthes said, I mean, it's mad, it is magic. Because the, the tool in which that happens is an enclosed, it's like, yeah. you know, I've never seen my um, kidneys, and I suppose there's a chance I will, but I have never seen them. And I've never seen how my defecation takes place. I've got a very vague idea of what's happening. <laughs> um, remember, oh yes, I need to go to the loo. Um, but that's plastic manufacture. That's exactly what it is. You put some, you put some sort of beads in one end, and this thing, which we, we've we've agreed we don't particularly like, but we invented that we didn't. We think our poo is a bit awful. It's actually without our poo, there wouldn't be any earth. Um, and all of that should just be an educate. You know that, and that I do think that that's there is a kind of body, a body mystery about plastic. It's such a specific idea to take hot beads and you, you know more about it than me, but you know, propel them down orifices into a void where they become something. And I've also brought a compendium of everything we've talked about in a way, which is an unknown bird, meaning that I never met the bird, but I found this lying on the street in Mexico. It is unbelievably beautiful. And it's funny because the reason it's beautiful is not just because I'm not meant to have brought it to this country and it has been in our freezer for two months, but because I realize it's changed its meaning. We're in an interior space. We're not around birds when they're making their nests. Um, and it's got those tapes that you have Right, perhaps that there's some kind of plastic tape that it's used, like some sort of bin liner tie, which is made of transparent and blue, some kind of coded line. And you know that the bird is compelled to do this, and it knows how to do it. And then it's full of little bones, so it's maybe 
that's a, an ex-bird or something that the tiny. birds eat, but tiny, tiny bones. We never get to talk to the birds, so we can't, can't we're never going to, you know, I just been, read um, the latest book by McCulloch on the Wright Brothers, which I really recommend. It's just fantastic. I mean, what, you know, deeply, deeply instinctive, probably quasi-autistic brothers, not twins, but virtually married, amazing flights of imagination mixed with unbelievable persistence. I mean, just incredible. Try this, try this, try this, try this, record, measure. Uh, really fascinating feeling of, of uh, wanting to be the birds. And there's a lovely description of them watching birds somewhere and analysing what it is that to do with lift, lift and drag. So are you persistently curious? Do you identify with that sense of persistence? But I am, but I don't know how to use it. So I've ended up being somebody who talks too much, meets people on the street. But I am very interested in possible and probable sets. So I do, by email, often introduce people to each other, often by not telling them I'm doing that. I just, and I realise that's what social media probably does, but I don't want to, I, I, I'm not interested in that level of anonymity. Something might come out of this and you might end up with a dozen names at the top and you go, oh, I know them. Oh, oh I wonder who that is. You can break a lot of identities. And I write quite postcardy emails. I see it as a form of letter. So you obviously have a clear relationship to the things around you continually and collecting them. But do you feel your relationship to making things is more problematic? Or? It's very prob problematic because I know so much about it. And I am very critical of a lot of artists. Um, and a lot of designers. I mean, I wrote to somebody yesterday and said, what nobody wants to admit is that without the First World War, the arts and crafts movement, which was after all a very nice middle-class idea, you could go and live in the Cotswolds and get interested in expensive ways of joining bits of oak together, um, that that would never have become our deco not that it did in exactly a straight line, if you didn't kill all the people who could do things in the First World War. Richard, thank you so much. Not at much. all. Sorry, I just no. said talk too much, but thank you. It was no a pleasure. Um, what you're doing is really, really interesting. listening to the things that make us to see pictures of the things selected by the guest in this and all episodes please visit thethingsthatmakeus.com you can get in touch with the show via twitter at things make us and if you like what you hear please subscribe so not to miss the next installment